Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello everyone and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Our goal is to discuss healthy business principles, have conversations on the business side of medicine, so that you and your practice can thrive, be profitable, and successful for years to come. Today our topic is one that has been making headlines lately, and there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of talking heads saying they know what the rules are, when in fact they're kind of missing the mark and missing it big time. So we're talking about HIPAA and the privacy standards, and then the COVID vaccine mandates have been making the headlines lately as well, and a lot of people are trying to figure out if they're enforceable. I know many of us have COVID fatigue, but we're still in the pandemic. And the more armed you are with the correct information, the better your credibility is when you pass it along to your practice administrators, physicians who are listening in, and uh, your staff. So tackling these topics with me today is fellow NSCHBC member and certified healthcare business consultant and healthcare attorney, Amanda Waish. Amanda operates a national healthcare legal practice and is licensed in both Ohio and Florida. She primarily focuses her practice on healthcare employment law, corporate law, and healthcare litigation, and advises all types of employers, in particular healthcare providers, including hospitals and physicians on various matters. Amanda, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back, Terry. Yeah, for those of you that didn't know, Amanda was actually on our second episode uh, with employment and how to actually fire an employee. So if you get a chance to go back to listen to that, that was actually great fun. That was hilarious to, to be a part of that. So what we're going to try and really give you today, and we're not taking a position either way on anything. We just want to give you the, the legal aspects of things, just the, the, you know, kind of, I hate to call it the, the skinny on what's going on and really just give you the, the information that you can reference back. And so that you understand, uh, is accurate because we, we just don't want you to hear something in the, the media and think, okay, I'm going to take this back. To me, that's clickbait. You have to really do your due diligence and, and figure out what is accurate. So Amanda, let's dive right in and start with HIPAA. And I'm talking about HIPAA with the two A's, not the two P's. <laughs> I don't know if that drives you crazy or not. <laughs> but, I, you, but, know what, you know what, Terry? Only healthcare consultants, attorneys, you know, they will appreciate the joke. Um, you know, HIPAA with the two A's, not the two P's. So I love that joke. Oh, my gosh. Every time I see it on LinkedIn or I see it on a social media platform by somebody who should know better, I'm like, no, it is two A's. Health Insurance, exactly. Portability, and Accountability Act. Okay. And so it's just interesting when we when we see that. I'm just like, okay, you guys, right away, it's that typo. It's kind of like when somebody sends me an email and my name is in my email address and they call me T-E-R-I and it's T-E-R-R-Y. It drives me crazy. So here's what exactly. we want to... Yeah, I know. It's like, pay attention. So I've seen so many sound bites and I, we, you and I talked uh, prior to... Um, to the podcast that we're doing now, but the, from, you know, professional athletes, actually some politicians and just average people citing that HIPAA, again, the HIPAA, uh, when they do not want to give their COVID vaccine status or a answer a medical question from somebody who's asking it saying it's a HIPAA violation. Have you heard the same thing? And can you speak to that? Oh, Terry, have I ever? <laughs> uh, yes. 
Um, I've, I've heard of grocery stores. If you tell us your vaccination status, we'll give you 20% off your groceries today. They want to know how many, you know, what, what percentage of customers coming into the grocery store are vaccinated. They can tell their employees, um, you know, employers asking for asking their employees for vaccination status. And, and then you mentioned the professional athlete and being interviewed by the reporter, you know, are you vaccinated? And everyone is quick to say, hey, this is a violation of my of my HIPAA rights. You, you violated HIPAA. Uh, no, no, they haven't. Not one of those examples that I've given ha- have been a HIPAA violation. Um, none of none of those examples um, fall under the purview of HIPAA. HIPAA applies to covered entities. So providers, uh, health insurers and health exchanges when electronic bills are being submitted. So um, HIPAA applies to those three types of entities, doesn't apply to the employer, doesn't apply to uh, the grocery store, and certainly doesn't apply to the sports reporter. <laughs> and, and I will also, <laughs> so I mean, we chuckle, Terry, but you know, people are I very know. quick to say, I, I, you know, I've got a HIPAA right here. I will also note that HIPAA, there is no private cause of action for a HIPAA violation. So you can't say you you violated my HIPAA rights. Now I can sue you for violating HIPAA. There is no private cause of action for violating HIPAA. So so if so the first you know the first piece that I want to reiterate is HIPAA doesn't apply here. And two, even if it did, there is no private cause of action for you to be able to enforce an alleged violation of HIPAA. So it always makes me chuckle. Um, you know, like like the like you, the joke that you said. <laughs> the, the two P's versus the two A's. Um, so it's a, you know, it's, it's an inside nerd, legal nerd joke. It is. And, you know, I'm going to take it a step further because I also keep trying to explain to people that, yes, maybe asking you a question about your medical history or, or your vaccine status, it may be rude, but and you can always say none of your business. But again, unless it's a HIPAA entity like a physician or an insurer or any healthcare provider that, you know, the digital exchange, then or somebody that you've trusted with your medical information, then they can ask. There's no violation there. Now, here's something interesting, though. So just to put it out to our listeners. So let's say that you're, you know, you you, uh, go to a family practice doctor down the street, and they have your medical information. Well, if that doctor walks into Starbucks and then starts shouting out all of your information or talks about it to somebody at the counter, that is a violation, correct? That is a violation. Right. And it is, it's a violation of HIPAA because that physician is subject to HIPAA. Right. But you can't sue right. that physician for violating HIPAA, right? So the, the proper course of action would be to go and file a complaint with the Office of Civil Rights. Oh, yeah. And the Office of Civil Rights would then investigate and levy fines if, an, if, if a violation is found to have occurred. Now, you may have a state privacy law violation. And so you may have a cause of action under state law. For a violation of a privacy right, if that person owes you a duty and did in fact breach that duty or violated state privacy laws, but that's going to be a state law uh, determination, and again, not a, a HIPAA issue. Right now, let's take that same physician who went in and started talking about your private health information at Starbucks, and that could be a, a violation for sure. But let's say that three people there heard about it, they knew that patient, and they told somebody else. That's not a violation because they're not a HIPAA entity, correct? That is correct. Yeah, see? That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) They are not subject to HIPAA. It's Um, a long chain. It is a long chain. It could be an invasion of privacy. Um, But then, you know, again, that becomes a state law issue. And I think that that's a hard 
Uh, that's a hard case to prove. Well, I unfortunate. Too. I do too. Uh, it is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Now I have a question on that because I remember in the 80s when HIV was really a, a problem in our na with our nation's healthcare, and you, you remember those days, I'm sure. Um, so when this was out there, I remember that, and again, I don't know if it was a, a law, a rule, but I just know we had to do it because it came down, I don't even know, it might have been OSHA, but those records had to be even kept separate from the general populated records of the patient, and employers had to keep that uh, very private. So now let's, with the vaccine and everything we're, we're doing, we're seeing now, that a lot of patients don't want that information public. How about an employer that actually has some of your health information? Are they, because they also engage in an insured insurance company so that you can be insured, do they have any, I guess, is there any legal thing that makes them not able to share your information? That's a great question, Terry. And the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, and there could be a number of different ways of how we get there. If the employer is a sponsor of the health plan, so say it's a self-insured plan and the employer has some uh, some roles and responsibilities in the health plan, then the employer could be subject to HIPAA because they're a sponsor of the health plan. So we could have a situation where the employer is subject to HIPAA, but that's going to be only as it relates to, it, again, it's roles and responsibilities with the health plan. But employers also have a duty to maintain privacy of information um, like you mentioned. So you know, private health information, certainly um, AIDS status, um, but also vaccination status. So while an employer can certainly ask, so the employer has the right to ask about an employee's vaccination status, and the employee has a duty to uh, respond appropriately with either a yes or a no, the employer cannot then disseminate that information to other employees. They, the employer has a duty to maintain the confidentiality of that information. And that's going to be under uh, federal and state employment laws. And again, not a HIPAA right of the employee, right. Right. Um, but that's going to be a confidentiality and privacy law uh, under both uh, federal and state employment laws. Now, what about schools? So not, you know, elementary schools, high schools, um, you know, um, even colleges at the state level and private entities that are colleges. What about the, their role legally as far as keeping health information private? So we, it's the same analysis as what we just did with the employer. Okay. Schools can ask about vaccination status and they can receive health information, um, but they have a duty to maintain the confidentiality and privacy of that information and they cannot disseminate it. Um, so there are uh, federal and state rules uh, that apply to to schools, universities, and colleges. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think I think there is an expectation from patients and people in general that everything is private. And then I see people that put their you know get an app, let's say a Fitbit or some kind of a, a phone app to do exercise or you know even Weight Watchers, and it asks you some pretty pretty personal questions. And they put all this information in there, and the app even tracks it. And then all of a sudden, you put in there that you know, you, you have osteoarthritis, let's say, of your knee, and you're getting all these ads now on your phone for a knee support <laughs> because it's selling your information and tracking you. And I had somebody say, ha, you know, ask me, how can I file a complaint, you know, um, for with a HIPAA violation for my Fitbit that's tracking my information because I'm, I'm HIPAA protected. I'm like, actually, you're not. And that's accurate, correct? That is accurate. 
um, yeah, the, the app that that individual is using um, is one, not on, under the purview of HIPAA. It's not, one, it's not a covered entity. And if the individual, I'm sure the individual, when they signed up for the app, uh, signed terms and conditions. Uh, so terms of use and probably a privacy policy statement that said they understood that um, this information could be made available to third parties. Now, it may be de-identified in some way, um, but, you know, the, using these apps, you know, they, they are selling your information and you're willingly giving it to them by using the app. So the choice is don't use the app if you don't want them to give your information. And that's what uh, But, explain. you know, that, that's, yeah, exactly, Terry. And that's kind of where our society is going, right? Like we, we are willing to put things on social media and this is just a phenomena, you know, we're willing to put Crazy. things on social media about our day to day life and what we're doing and, and disclose everything. But yet, we don't want our physician to walk into the coffee shop and say what our vaccination status is. Right. right? So um, it's just a mindset of our of our society, kind of where we're at. We had something funny and just talking about apps happen um, the other day. So we went over to some friend's house um, for a barbecue and it was, it was, I think it was Labor Day or something. And they have, um, is it Alexa? Is that's the Amazon one? And they uh -huh. were basically doing a, a grocery list when we walked in and they're like, okay, Alexa, stop, right? Or whatever. I'm like, what is that? They're like, oh, we just call in our grocery list. I'm like, okay. So there's about, you know, maybe eight people. And yes, we were social distancing, but we were sitting outside. <laughs> but it was just really funny because one of the people that was in our party said, you know, I have a headache. Um, is there any, do you have anything for that? And all of a sudden, Alexa said, um, <laughs> you're out of Tylenol, but we have Advil in the medicine. <laughs> Talk about freaking oh people out. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden, my girlfriend was like, she, what, wait, what? <laughs> they know my, I'm asking a medical thing. And I, it was just really funny. And she even said, she said, I think that's a HIPAA violation that your, you know, your Alexa machine can hear that I have a I'm like, oh, people. <laughs> right. Not a HIPAA violation, but yeah, you know, we subject ourselves to technology that listens to private information, right? Um, we but do. not a HIPAA violation. Yeah. That was just a scary moment where I'm just like, can you turn that thing off? <laughs> Who knows what, right. what else they're listening to? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So for any of you that want even more information on uh, what is HIPAA, what isn't, I did write an article this past month. It's up on the NSCHBC.org website. So feel free to take a look at that. So let's move on to vaccine mandates. And I, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing because of how ridiculous some of the, the HIPAA stuff is. But okay, so this is something we really need to get into from a, just a your legal mind is going to be very helpful here. And first of all, I want to, to, to preface this, and I think it's important we preface this, is that Amanda and I, and I've been given permission by Amanda, we both have been vaccinated. Um, I've had HIPAA in 2020, or I'm sorry, I had HIPAA, oh my gosh. I have had COVID in 2020, mm -hmm. and so it was bad. And so, um, you know, it was, it, I mean, it was recoverable, you know, it, it like, you know, like most people, it can be recoverable, especially under a certain age if you're healthy. Uh, but I didn't want to get that again, or at least I, I wanted to be able to have a more mild case of it. And so I did get vaccinated, and I know Amanda said she is too. So, in what we're going to talk about as far as the mandates, it may, we don't, we are not taking, we're not taking a stand either way on this. We are middle of the road. We're just giving information. And we know that this topic has been out there, especially since President Biden did a lot of, uh, or has signed an executive order for some mandates. 
So as we dive into this topic, just keep that in mind is that we are uh, proponents of making sure everybody's safe and may, and hopefully makes the decision uh, for the vaccination. But that is up to you know you. So now let's move on to to really talking about it. So prior to the executive order that President Biden signed, uh, basically saying that all employers over 100 employees mandate vaccines, and it was a very strong. Um, I guess mandate. Many companies already, I know this already did it. A lot of uh, healthcare entities did it, hospitals, some physician practices, they were already doing it. So my question to you is what is the legal enforcement of this executive order for private companies with a virus that for people over 75 with comorbidities can be terrible and deadly, but for under that age and otherwise healthy patients, the CDC has said it's a 95 to 97% recovery rate. So it seems like a stretch to me to be able to enforce that, but I'm just, I want the legal opinion and I think our, so do our listeners to figure out what, what can they enforce and what they can't, what can't they? Yeah, sure, uh, Carrie. So inquiring minds want to know, um, you know, I can't state for certain how the courts would come out on this, right? Um, but I can say that we do have some legal precedent. Um, one of the more recent cases actually came out of New York where there was a smallpox uh, outbreak in the Bronx and the local health department mandated smallpox vaccine for the entire neighborhood. And that was just a few years ago. And a court challenge to that mandate was upheld. Um, and so, so it was upheld that the health director could mandate the smallpox vaccine um, for purposes of the greater good and to stop the spread of the communicable disease. So we have that recent case law um, just a few years back. We have some other favorable case law where vaccine mandates were upheld. And so I think that a legal challenge would have, you know, a tough hill to overcome um, given, given the case law that we know that is out there. Um, however, and, and you and I talked about this, the COVID-19 vaccination is so very polarizing. It's not as accepted as a flu shot or a smallpox vaccine or the polio vaccine when, when we talk about it in circles. And so we have to remember that when the courts are making decisions, it's actually judges who are making decisions who are human beings. And so we have to remember that. Um, so I can't say for certain how this would come out in a court of law, but I can say that we do have favorable case law around government mandates. Okay. And the the reason I ask is, and you, and you brought up the, the uh, smallpox, which I did some research on. And so there, th it's a different mortality rate, you know, than, than what the, um, the vaccine or for what um, COVID is. And so, you know, the ordinary type confluent is, is fatal about 50 to 75% for smallpox versus what we're dealing with, with, um, with the COVID. So I'm, I'm just curious as to, it's, it, and it was also seems selective. I noticed that there were some uh, people left off of the mandate. So, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, members of Congress are left off and their staff. Um, there was something else that was left off. I'm trying to remember what it was. It'll come to me. But there was a couple of different um, entities that were left off. And I'm thinking either either it's on there or it's not it it's you know it's either mandated or it's not and and i guess the selective mandate concerns me would that concern you or it definitely would would go towards the legal argument of well why are why do we have these 
exceptions yes. um, when you say it's so vitally important to to have everyone mandate or everyone vaccinated. I mean, that's that's the purpose of the mandate is to get our vaccination rates up. And so when you have the selective enforcement, when you have the exceptions, I think that chips away at that argument. Um, and then also, you know, there's some factual things that they're going to need to prove, like you mentioned the mortality rates, um, and then also, you know, these these exceptions as well. Right, and I, and it's it's interesting because I, I keep seeing the, you know, the over the last I guess we're in 18 months now into it of the you know 585,000 who have died, but this is out of 34 plus million who have who have had positive tests. So when you look at the the big picture, I mean, just percentages wise, this is just a numbers situation. You know, we've had some things with the flu that have even been worse than that. So again, not discounting the the COVID, I I want people to be safe and and hopefully um, make the decision to get vaccinated. Only because you and I both we we talked about this too. I mean, hospitals are being overrun right now with some of the unvaccinated patients, and so cancer patients and patients who are in emergent situation can't find a bed. And so it, it's definitely concerning that we have this situation, but I'm, I'm worried that the mandate is actually counterproductive. You know how we are in the United States. People don't want to do what they're forced to do or told what to do. And so it, it's different than a country that they're used to this. <laughs> so I'm just a little, right. little con concerned about that. Right. No, I would agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, we don't want to be told what to do. Because right. we, we enjoy our freedoms, we, our country built upon that premise of we enjoy our freedoms, and so we don't like to be told what to do. But at the same time, I think that this administration is looking for ways to improve the vaccination rate and respond to some of the the outcries from the healthcare industry, where we're overrun with COVID patients, and they are tapped out. You know, this has been a long haul for everyone. Yeah. especially those in the healthcare industry, whether they're on the front lines working or whether they're consultants like, like you and I, there is not, we have not been able to take a breath. Right. It's been, you know, every week runs into the next and it's, they're exhausted. Yes. So I think that the administration is trying to find ways to respond to that and alleviate that. Um, but I agree with you. It, it has created an even more polarizing environment um, and unfortunately, this this became very political very quickly. And, you know, I, I don't have a solution as to how we not make it political or not make it polarizing. Um, but but the mandates have certainly added fuel to the fire. Yeah, uh, definitely over the past some, few weeks, some division. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because then you see this stuff. Now, I don't know if you've seen this. So if we're going to lighten the lighten the tone here a little bit in New York, if you uh, there's a several um, burger places that if you get vaccinated, you get free fries in California, <laughs> <laughs> Dunkin Donuts and um, Krispy Kreme did a thing where you can have a free donut of your choice once a week for a year if you get vaccinated. And I'm like, okay, so diabetes is okay, but you don't want COVID. <laughs> you know, obesity is fine, right, but COVID right. is a no-go. I just, these seems to, you know, they even did a lottery here in California that anybody who had two shots of the Pfizer and Moderna got put into kind of like a, you know, I guess a bingo machine. And then they pulled numbers on who got to win some lottery money. I mean, Amanda, we did that from in a, Ohio as well. From a <laughs> the, legal, vaccin, the vaccine million. 
Yeah, but from from a legal standpoint, isn't isn't the mandate in some of this coercion? Or I mean, I'm not a legal pundit, you guys. That's why I have that's why I love having Amanda on because I'm asking questions. You're probably like, yeah, is that is that the case? Well, I think you know those those you know we laugh. You know the Vaximilian bingo, the or a lottery. Yeah. You know the Krispy Kreme donuts, the fries. You know the, that that's all choice, right? It's, it's free enterprise. If that company wants right. to do that. They can do that. And if you want to go to the counter and say, I'm vaccinated, give me my donut, you can do that. (laughs) I think people joke about it, right? Um, But it's not, but it's not a mandate. So when people are told what to do, then they're like, well, you know, human nature is to say, well, wait a minute, you can't tell me, you can't tell me what to do. And so we have that visceral reaction. Um, But I think the programs that we have you know, to, to encourage people to get vaccinated. I think, you know, people see those as, well, that, that's my choice. That's my choice to do that. Right. So just bringing it back to the legal position, you're saying that these mandates definitely are enforceable. So somebody could lose their job if they don't get vaccinated. Is that correct? Yes, as of now. But however, I anticipate court challenges and who knows what could happen to this mandate. Now, we're, I mean, we are, we are just at the beginning of this, I know. right? So yeah. we saw the mandate come. So there's two types of mandates here when, we, when, from, from a healthcare perspective, one is the mandate that came from CMS right. talking about nursing homes and then later on other institutions that must vaccinate their workers as a condition of participation. I wish they were clear on that because I got a lot of uh, private practices that are we one of those entities and they weren't listed, but because it said, right. quote unquote, other, they were really worried. Right. And we do not have any guidance. Um, when the when that mandate was announced in August for the skilled nursing facilities, we were told that we would have regulations sometime in September. We don't have them yet, but we have another mandate that says, OK, these other institutions and there is a gray area. Well, how far does that how far does that other go. Um, we certainly have Part A institutions being included, but we also have some Part B providers that were listed, like in ambulatory surgery centers. Right. So the question is, well, what about all of these other Part B providers that, that weren't specifically listed? And so, you know, that mandate, which would be a condition of participation in Medicare, is a different challenge than the 100 employer mandate. And how is that going to be enforced? And Again, we've got rules that are supposed to be coming from the Department of Labor, but you know, what would those rules look like? How would they be enforced? We've got a long road ahead of us with, with both mandates. Um, but I will say it's interesting because for Medicare, at least, there's no condition of participation that requires proof of vaccine or you know, like a flu shot or tuberculosis test or anything like that to participate in the Medicare program. Right. So then that's and that's what I think a lot of um, providers right now they're saying. So I could lose my participation status as a provider with Medicare if I'm personally not vaccinated and my whole staff within my quote unquote practice entity. And I said all I all I try to explain to them is that that is a possibility because right now we don't have exact guidance on on that list. Is, is that an accurate way to put it? That's an accurate way to put it. Okay. And again, I think multiple challenges coming because why this vaccine? Why this disease? Now, there's I have plenty of clients that require vaccines to be employed there and require the flu shot every year. And so individual and and I have plenty of employers, 
you know, healthcare employers that require the COVID vaccines, but it's up to the employer. Okay. And we have not seen it be a condition of participation in Medicare. Okay. Well, and this has brought up another thing about uh, the vaccines, and, and this is a, another legal situation. I was wondering if you could speak to. You may not, you may not even know what this could be, but I, it would be interesting just to get your opinion on this. So I'm now seeing physicians who are saying they won't see or treat patients who are unvaccinated. And I actually had an argument with a physician on LinkedIn over the weekend. And I usually don't run into these things, but as far as I'm just like, let everybody just, you know, fight it out. I, why do I want to get involved? But this doctor was so adamant about saying he will not see unvaxxed patients. And I kept thinking of the firemen who go into a fire. They run into it. They don't run away from it. And there is a risk when the in the profession that you choose and so if the vaccines are safe and effective, and I asked the physician this question, I said, so you're vaccinated, your staff is vaccinated, and you require an unvaxxed patient to put on a mask when they present to your practice, how are you saying that you're at risk? So I, I'm just trying to figure out from a legal perspective, since you're here, is that something they're allowed to do to, to say, you, I won't see you because of the, like you said, you actually brought up a really good point. This one vaccine, where they don't require it for anything else? Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's going, that's going to come down, I think, to state licensure laws and code of ethics as to what the physician, you know, what duty does the physician owe to the patient? And I think it will largely depend on, too, whether the physician has a physician-patient relationship with that individual. Right. So, I mean, everybody's been citing the Hippocratic Oath um, unless that's, unless that is codified at the state level into their, into your, you know, licensure rules and regs, you know, um, I think it's going to come down to the duty that the physician owes to the patient. Certainly if the physician has the right to say, I'm not going to enter into a physician patient relationship with you and they can cite any reason, as long as it's not a discriminatory reason. And right now vaccination status is not um, not a, a you know a, a, cl a protected class. Okay. Um, so similarly, they could say you know we don't treat. Um, it's like the orthopedic you know specialist. I do hands, but I don't do feet. So don't come see me if you've got a foot problem. Um, or or you know I you know if, if you have if you're positive for tuberculosis, you can't come into our office. You've got to go somewhere else. Um, so there are you know there are parameters that the physician can set up to protect office staff. But I think what it's going to come down to, or to stay within their purview of their specialty and the services that they provide, but I think what it's going to come down to is that if they have a physician-patient relationship with an existing patient and that patient chooses not to get the vaccine and they're left without medical care, that could be a violation of the physician's duty. And I think that's where we may see this go. That's what I was thinking because it was actually that's kind of where it went with the with the discussion I was having back and forth with this physician. And I said, well, you know, I maybe see your argument with a new patient. OK, let's just give you that. But what if it's one of your existing patients? And, mm -hmm. you know, you can't I and I actually I did read the Hippocratic Oath. I found four different versions. It's funny. I thought there was only one version. And it really doesn't <laughs> it really doesn't address this, which is kind of interesting. You might think it did, but it kind of doesn't. So then I did go to the state level and this physician happened to be in Texas and you can't abandon a patient without 
certain things. They were, they were talking from a legal perspective. You have to give them a referral out. There was a 30-day written notice. I mean, it wasn't like you can just say, stop at my door, you know. So, um, right. and you, just like you said, I mean, you have such great insight, Amanda, because it was definitely about new versus established patient as well and uh, a certain code of ethics and protocol, I guess is the word, on how you could discharge a patient, but you can't basically abandon them. That word kept coming up. So right. in, in a lot of right. the rules. So um, just so, so we're, the reason we're talking about this to our listeners is because these have been, and I love that word polarizing, these have been really in, not just on social media, but in the news, you know, these, these doctors are doing this and, you know, and, and it seems like there's so many people saying, well, everybody has a right to protect themselves. Well, that's correct. But the whole point of the vaccines is to make people comfortable if they're hesitant to get them. And if you won't even see a patient who's unvaccinated and at least find out if they've had COVID because there is some, you know, a little bit of immunity there from what I'm told, um, you know, see if, see if there's something there, but it's just, it seems like it's counterproductive to, to we're just going around in a circle here. So um, just trying to get everybody to, to at least talk to their doctor about it. So. Absolutely. And I think we all have to accept too, that there is no right answer. Yeah, right? right. And yeah, exactly. we're not going to make everybody happy. And at some point we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And, and, and that's really hard for humans to do. Um, so that's what I keep telling myself, you know, for the past 18 months, it's like, okay, let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable because we're going to be here for the long haul. Yeah. For those of you that think, remember the 15 days to stop the spread? When was that? Like 18 months ago? <laughs> that was a long time ago that was a long time ago i keep thinking about those times where we're like oh my gosh yeah so and now for those of us that have been ordering dinner in we need to stop doing that (laughs) it's time to go out and go to a restaurant actually you might find this i don't know you might you might go okay terry that's a little bit much or you might find this amusing or you might think well that's interesting so we went my husband and i went to a restaurant recently and they said can we see your vaccine card (laughs) My. And I was like, wow, okay. I said, sure, can I see yours? <laughs> and I would like to see everybody in your kitchen as well. I go, I'm, I have mine with me. So does my husband. I go, can I see yours and everybody who works here? Just line them up and we'll be happy to show you. And she goes, oh, oh, um, uh, well, I don't know if we all have them. <laughs> I'm like, well, then, oh. then walk away. <laughs> right, exactly. Don't ask me. For mine, yeah. So, I mean, it's a two-way street. Like, that's, I think that's what we need to, as human beings, just remember is that it's a yeah. two-way street. Uh, you know, I respect you. You respect me. And it's just about being respectful. And Exactly. Exactly. You know, it was, it was funny because the, yeah. the manager comes over <laughs> and he was a friend of ours because it's a, a restaurant we frequent. And he goes, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, I'll show <laughs> you. But I just wanted you to realize that you're going to have somebody like me come in that isn't as nice as me. <laughs> And he got, right. so, so we showed him and he showed us his and he showed us like, uh, I think he, he, we saw three employees, but he goes, we're going to make sure that everybody has theirs because that is a, he goes, that was a great thing to hear. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, all of a sudden I went, wow, what if everybody did that? I'm just like, well. Right, exactly. That's you a know. good story. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to use that now. In Ohio, it's, we haven't gotten to that point where I, I'm not, at least I'm not aware of any businesses that have asked for vaccination status or proof of a vaccine card. But 
if, if that arises, I will definitely remember that. Well, my husband bought us, and it was a surprise for me. So since um, our 20th anniversary was right when HIPAA hit. And so, and then 21 also. So we just celebrated their 22nd anniversary. And he comes in to me about a month ago and says, hey, would you like to, um, we ne we want to go to Hawaii. And I always speak out there at a conference every September and uh, for AAPC, and it's been canceled the last couple of years because of that. So I've been doing virtual for them. And he knows I love where we go. It's, you know, Four Seasons Oahu. And I just said, really? Now here's my husband. He goes, yeah, because the Steelers have a, a bye that week. You know, it's all about football, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, geez, Tom, really? And so, but my, I was talking to a friend of mine who went to Hawaii and she said, didn't matter what restaurant, what hotel, wherever you went, you had to show your card. She said her card got frayed because she, she took it out of her wallet so many times and, and showed oh, wow. it. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of, we're, we're contemplating. I'm still on the fence because I was thinking I wasn't going to travel till 2022. But here's the other thing, and this is probably speaks to what you've seen. I, I can see your, you might eye roll at this with talking about being an attorney and seeing what people are trying to get away with. We're noticing that people are with the fake, you know, vaccine cards, which yeah. you know, people, what are you doing? But there was a, there was a uh, family that tried to go through the security in Hawaii with four vaccine cards. I saw cards. that, yeah. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. they, you know how they got caught because they had them for their kids who were too young to take the vaccine. So. Right. Or, and were they misspelled and they misspelled Moderna too? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you go to that length to, to do a fake ID, you, you gotta make, you gotta do your homework. Right? I know. You, make sure <laughs> you know, we never said criminals were smart, but oh my gosh. Put in a little extra effort. Put a little extra effort. Yeah. No kidding. But oh my gosh. Well, and I, I don't know if you saw in the OIG just posted something uh, on LinkedIn. I follow them on there and they said there was uh, a physician who was creating uh, the fake vaccine cards and he was selling them for $10 each. He did 120 and then got and, and then they found it in violation. Amanda, how much money is that that he just lost his license and he's going to jail? 120 right. bucks. Is it worth? Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, that's just Not that's just all. ridiculous. I mean, what are you doing? You know, this there's a reason for this. Now, I am surprised that the cards are so. They remind me of when I was in elementary school. Remember, we had to fill out those cards for our immunizations. So I am mm -hmm. surprised yeah. in the digital age they're just so pedestrian I guess that's the word I'm looking for <laughs> but but, um, but yeah. yeah I mean they're so easily so easily reproduced that's really scares me but um, that is just, scary hopefully yeah, they is. have a hopefully we're able to have an electronic version like we do now with the immunizations yes but uh, the problem with COVID is that we're making the rule we're flying the plane as we build it and it also is being built and flown publicly. So we hear, we hear the back and forth and the strategizing and the analyzing before the decision is rendered. And then, you know, things change. So again, we're, we're flying the plane as we build it. And, you know, I, it's good. More information is good, but then, you know, that, that leads to the discord and the, just, you know, the discontent with, you know, decision-making and, Right. Yeah, it's just a bad, it, it's everything, you know, and then the politicizing of it, it and how this is diff treated differently than other, you know, outbreaks we've seen over the past uh, few years. It just makes this, you know, makes it a mess. 
It does. It does. And and just for our listeners out there, you know, one of the things that I hope that you take away from our conversation as well is, and again, we're just trying to give you some legal perspective, some, you know, perspective based on what we're seeing in the industry as well. But remember, nothing is black and white. I mean, this did we know there was going to be variants? Did we know there was going to be the delta that things were going to change? You're only as good as the information you have today. And so, you know, anything that we talk about, and gosh, Amanda, you as an attorney, you, you could you probably see things where, oh, yes, I'm using this today, but this case law just came up that could contradict what we do tomorrow. So, Absolutely. And Terry, this podcast should come with a disclaimer that whatever we talked about with respect to the mandates and the rulemaking, and it could all change tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> that's the legal disclaimer that, that I have. But, you know, for employers that are looking for some advice, and for the healthcare providers that are looking for advice, my advice is we're still waiting. We're still waiting. Because even though we have these executive orders and these mandates, we still have a long way to go. Right. We still have rulemaking. We still have case law challenges. We can't. We don't have a case law challenge because we don't have any rule. Right. And and we so any case law challenge would be theoretical. Uh, we have no rules and we have no enforcement. So we still have a long ways to go. Um, in well, this process. Well, and everybody look at it this way too, is, you know, I, I'm a coder, so um, CPT, ICD-10, and I also do the audits. I get a lot of people saying, what is the ICD-10 code, diagnosis code for screening for COVID? I'm like, there is no screening. We're still in the pandemic. So you, you have to mm -hmm. wait till the, the, I guess we call it an endemic, wait till the pandemic's over and we've now and we're never going to have it completely over, but it can be manageable where we can live our lives without having, you know, constantly being under a public health emergency. And when that happens, when the PHE ends, that's when you can start talking about screening from something that happened before. And so it, it's it's really like you said, we're still in the thick of it to be able to give you all the information as far as, uh, you know, this is this is the legal black and white. It's like, well, here's what you're probably looking at. So for the physicians who are saying, you know, again, is this is this mandate apply to me? I would act as if it does. I, you know, act as if it does. Otherwise, it could hurt your your livelihood down the road. I don't know what, what if you agree with that, Amanda, but to 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 not be proactive and not to you know, be heads up about it, I think that could hurt a physician. Absolutely. Absolutely. Physicians need to be expecting that CMS will push as a condition of participation a, a vaccine mandate on employees. Yes. Yeah. That's what I, I'm seeing. They, that should be, yeah. they, they put that other <laughs> in for a reason. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and it's, it's yeah. like the telehealth that, that I'm, I'm doing so many audits for that right now and for payer audits and especially some of the Mac payers because they put it on their OIG work plan. One of the outs that they have within the language of the CARES Act says, as long as you're acting in good faith. Well, I've got practices now that are doing telehealth because I hate to say because they can just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know, giving test results right. that are normal over the phone and charging an office visit. I'm just like, what are you doing? If you didn't do that before the PHE, don't do it now. <laughs> so, you know, it's you're not acting in good faith. And that's where they're getting a lot of, you know, physicians and getting refunds. They pushed a lot of money out. They need to get some of that back. And so well, um, yes, and we've talked about that, Terry, right? I mean, yes. the government pushed a lot of money out already in a deficit yep. knowing that the medicare trust fund is dangerously low right they pushed all this money out and it was like okay well they got to figure out a way to get it back um 
or at least some of it back. Yeah. And knowing that be sad. <laughs> exactly. That's what, yep. It's going to be the year of the audit. There's so many different programs for them to audit. Um, and frankly, I think that they have to, and, and this is an administration that is likely going to follow the Obama administration yeah. um, that, that was, you know, that was very heavily involved in audits and especially in healthcare and, and touting the big, the big wins. Right. Right. And, and I, we're already seeing it. I mean, you know, and the, and the percentages of just incorrect claims and non-compliance. And so not to get off topic, but just, we're, we're just trying to let everybody know, you know, make sure that you are protecting yourself by knowing what's in what knowing what's accurate knowing what the mandates say and what their what their potential could be for your practice and always you know be in a state of protection just so that you can um if there's any issue down the road where you can say this is what we this is what we did and make sure you you have it well documented as far as a policy within your practice absolutely so, and Amanda, do you have any uh, last words of wisdom for any of our listeners as far as HIPAA or the mandates or, or anything? I, I guess mine would be put it in writing, but what would yours be? Definitely put it in writing, put it in your COVID file. That's, you know, we, we advise all employers to have a COVID file early, early on and document everything that you did. Print out OSHA or CDC guidance or State Department of Health guidance that was contemporaneous with your decision-making because we know that that changes all the time. But in the event your COVID file is bursting, it's time to probably do sub-COVID files. Um, but I agree with Terry, document, 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 and print out contemporaneously the guidance that you're relying on because it changes every day. And like I said, you may only be able to rely on this podcast until tomorrow because things right. could change. Right. Yeah. And just remember, even with the, the CARES Act and the flexibilities, it started at 39 pages in March of 2020, and we are now up to 192. So it changes, it changes daily. <laughs> and just keep that in mind. Well, Amanda, we would like to thank you for being on the podcast today. And we'd love to thank Amanda for her legal insights into this very argued topic. And again, a polarized topic. Our goal was to play kind of a devil's advocate, meaning not getting into the politically and about anything, but really asking and answering hopefully those tough questions that we're not getting addressed in, in some of the, the media. So we hope our episode today answered some of those tough questions and armed you with a new knowledge that you didn't have before. So you can reach Amanda at nschbc.org, go to the Find the Consultant tab and type in her first name and her information pops up for you. As a reminder to our listeners, the NSCHBC, uh, please go to our website at nschbc.org and register for our fourth quarter Medicare webinar update to continue to get all of the new rules and regulations that have been published over the last couple of months. And we will be discussing the new 2022 fee schedule information and the impact on your reimbursement for next year. Also check out many of our free webinars that we have each month, again, nschbc.org. So that's it for us today, everyone. Please join us next month for another episode of the NSCHBC Edge podcast. This is Terry Fletcher. Until next time, everyone, make it a great day, a great rest of your month, and thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.